0: Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. So Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now Nineveh was an extremely large city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, In forty days Nineveh shall be demolished. The men of Nineveh, Nineveh believed in God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least." When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By the order of the king and his nobles, no man or beast, herd or flock, is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both both man and beast must be covered in sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each of them must turn from his evil ways and from the violence he is doing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we do not perish. Then God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways, so God relented from the disaster he had threatened to do to them, and he did not do it.
1: Thank you, Angie. That's probably, quite probably, quite possibly, the most dramatic revival ever in history that this group of people, the Ninevites, the Assyrians, um, they were so um, evil. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that uh, just for sport, they would skin you uh, alive, carry around the skins. Uh, For torture, they would uh, uh, put poles up inside people and just let them just sit there for days until they died. Um, And then for this group of people to have uh, this sort of repentance seemingly on a dime, possibly the most dramatic revival ever in history. Question is, can we see revival today? Can we see revival today? And um, probably figured it out, you know, my answer is going to be yes, because otherwise it'd be Nope, have a great week, you know, like, out of here, right, you know, or, you know, like your crime scene drava, drama, he, uh, he was arrested way too early in the show, <laughs> that's not him, right, you know, it's not, it's not him, and so, um, so uh, yes, I, I, I believe so, but what does revival look like? Are there conditions around revival? And pretty much every single revival has certain conditions around it. And you see it in this story. You see it in stories of, uh, of, 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 of history, if you read the history of revivals. First of all, the culture's bad. The culture's bad. The culture's not close to God when revival happens. The culture's bad. The culture is violent the culture is um, kind of in an in a unrest and chaos, and and and, and 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 people just you know go nuts over stuff. Um, sexual perversion uh, reigns. Um, governments usually are, are just kind of on on uneven footing. Just the culture's bad. It's not good. But also, but also inside the church, holiness is misunderstood. On one end of the spectrum, you've got people that say holiness is old-fashioned, it's not important, that basically church is a social club that you attend. But on the other end of the spectrum, there are people that pretty much say, well, I am awesomely holy, and in order for you to get to God, you've got to be awesomely holy like me. Now, nobody would ever flat out say that, right? But, well, maybe, one or two. But with our actions, we say, I am awesomely holy, and for you to know God, you must be awesomely holy like me. Holiness is misunderstood. And this this is the case in Jonah's day. Nineveh was horrible. And the people inside of Israel, there's a group of people that said, holiness is old fashioned, not important. There's a group of people that would say, Jonah, why are you going to Nineveh? Those people are not holy at all. They have no chance of being holy. And I actually find out, we'll find out next week that Jonah was actually really one of them. Teaser, next week's sermon title, Prints in the Sand. Don't miss it. Right, PA? Right? Okay. Now, I've got a poem by that title. I didn't write it. Somebody else wrote it. So, it's kind of like Footprints in the Sand. And so this is the culture, this is, this, is the, this is the deal around revival. When revival occurs, you've got these two situations going on. But then, but then, somebody or some buddies stand up and say, wait a minute, hold on. Because the Bible tells me so, sin is destructive, Because the Bible tells me so, sin causes desolation. Because the Bible tells me so, sin causes death. And if people are in sin, they're just messed up on the inside. And holiness isn't a beat stick in order to beat somebody over the head with it. Holiness is actually life. Holiness is actually light. Holiness is actually the hope that people have in the hopelessness. And these somebodies become intoxicatingly passionate to rescue and rebuild those far from God. There's something that comes up inside of them that says, I have to do it. And other people look at them and say, you're drunk. You're crazy. It's not worth it. Or you're making the gospel too common for people. In fact, some, some revivalists in the past were called vulgar. You're making it common. That's what vulgar means, is common. You're making it too common for people to know. Holiness is, is something that people achieve. No, no, no. Holiness is a gift from God that God gives to people. And there's a group of people every time in revival that gets intoxicatingly passionate to rescue and rebuild people. Now, in our story, it's not Jonah. It's God. God just drags Jonah along for the ride. I've got to have somebody, and it's going to be you, bro. (laughs) And he just drags Jonah along. But in every revival ever, this is something that you see. But also, you see that God is doing something in the, behind the scenes. Now, in this story, this story is just like just a facts, ma'am, type story. You know, it's just like Jonah had one sentence preached, uh, or preached one sentence, and everybody came to know God. Uh, maybe, probably not. Just the facts, ma'am. Just what happened, you know, in a nutshell. Cliff's, Cliff's Notes edition. As I was doing some research about Assyria and the, what we know of the kings around this time, there was one king I was for sure that I for sure knew uh, had to be uh, had to be a king during the time that Jonah was alive. And during this king's reign, two things specifically happened. One is that a plague uh, uh, just just completely went all over uh, Assyria. And they couldn't go do their conquests and stuff. And so for a violent people to stop doing conquests because of a plague, I mean, that's a big deal, right? That's a big deal. Then a second thing happened right on the heels of that uh, plague was a solar eclipse. So to a religion that was highly superstitious to have a plague and then a solar eclipse, they were kind of on edge. And what we know about Nineveh and that region of the world, it's on a fault line. So they dealt with earthquakes all over, uh, all over history. But also, also, the, 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 the Nineveh, Nineveh was, probably, was probably meant the city of the fish. So here's what you got. You've got a guy, Jonah. We could call him the man of the fish, right? He just got spit out of a fish. And he bears the marks of this. What happens to, when, when stomach acid hits the skin? I don't know, but probably something, right? It's probably very evident. Like, what happened to you, bro? Sort of deal. Don't know. I mean, if, if you know, somebody wants to be puked on over and over and over until we get the stomach acid up, I mean, we could probably make that happen, but uh, try that at home. So we've got the man of the fish going to the city of the fish. His name means peace, Jonah means peace, but he has a message of destruction On possibly on the heels of maybe earthquakes, plagues, and solar eclipses. So God is working behind the scenes to bring situations together to fit in, and all that's needed is a spark. What's that spark? That person that's intoxicatingly passionate for this to happen. That's what you see all over revivals, God works behind the scenes, and that spark occurs. And what happens? Repentance and belief, or belief and repentance. That word, belief, in this story, when it said that, that Nineveh uh, believed God, it's the it's the image of a of a of a of a nurse carrying a baby. So really, what that's saying is that the Ninevites crawled up into the arms of God. And if you're far away from God this morning, and you've come here searching for God, church isn't about church. Church isn't about showing up. Church isn't about being holy and proving our awesome holiness. This is about crawling into the arms of God and finding a heavenly Father that loves us no matter what. That's what belief is. And they repented. They mourned. The king told them to, to, to call out mightily to God. That actually has a violent undertone. That word has a violent undertone. It's like he's telling his people that same passion that we used to release in violence, release that passion in searching for God. To repentance. That's what happens in every single revival. People who are Christians become more deeply in love with God and people who aren't find God. And it's people that others never thought possible would find God. And then rebuilding happens. It says that God relented. Some people say uh, changed his mind, but really the idea behind that word is... uh, if If I put a picture up here, if I put a picture up here of a, of a puppy in, a, in a, uh, 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 a shelter behind bars? What reaction would I get from people in here? Ah, Except Nicole. She would care less to kill the dog. <laughs> 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 Boys are like, can we have a dog? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Everybody but Nicole would go, aw. Right, right, right. That's the same idea behind God relenting. He looked at Nineveh and go, I can't do anything to you. Life gets rebuilt when people come and know God through revival. Transformation occurs in individuals and in communities. Now God is sovereign. He can do whatever He wants, whenever He wants. It is not a formula. A plus B plus C equals revival. Revival. God isn't backed into a corner that way. But at the same time, we see things happen in history that, that, that lead us to believe that there's something that we can do as we kind of wait and anticipate. And first of all, we've got to become intoxicatingly passionate for a people group. And that only happens through prayer. How do we see this? It only, it only can happen if we decide to pray. Only. Only. And pray for our hearts to become intoxicatingly passionate for a people group. For a people and for persons individually. And pray also that God is doing work behind the scenes that we will never know until they come to know Christ that things are working and that God is working on their hearts and God is working on their lives to, to bring all this together and all it needs is a, is a spark and that spark is us to, to light their life on fire. But also pray for life. This is something I'm praying for myself, that, 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 that God continues to form my faith away from, I pray a prayer so I'm not going to hell, away from even, uh, from even a serving faith to a life-filled faith. God, Jesus himself promised that he came to give abundant life. And I'm asking God, what does that look like? Because as another, as another Christian author and pastor said in, 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 in the title of his book, I became a Christian and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Like, isn't there more to this? Because Jesus himself said, it's abundant life. Are we praying for that abundant life for ourselves? An abundant life to the, to the point that it's overflowing and flowing into other people? But we cannot use prayer as a as an excuse to not act. So we do that a lot if we were honest as Christians. I know it's church, so we're not going to be totally honest. Here, right, right, right. We just put on this face and you know do our thing. But we can't use a prayer uh, use prayer to not act. got to pray, but we've also got to act. If we want to lead people to Christ, if we want to lead people to Jesus, we've got to have influence. And we cannot have influence in their life unless we are present in their life. Are we showing up around people who are lost? Or are we so holy roller that they've got to become like us in order for us to share Christ with them? We've got to be around them. We've got to be present. And look, 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 I'm an introvert too. What? Yes. People scare me. Right, Angie? People, people scare me. People scare me. Follow Angie, like, she, several introverted posts on, on Facebook this week. And she's nervous now because I'm pointing out her introvertedness. <laughs> you know, just, and we're a church of introverts over, over, I mean, by and large. Jack, Paul, Scott no, aren't. But other than that, you know, we're all introverts. Like this week at Walmart, I got in line behind uh, another pastor here in Republic. I mean, he's a good guy. But what happened to my, to my, to my stomach? Went it knots. Why? I've got to talk to him now. Right? Ah, What do we talk about? Small talk. Ah, scares me. Scares me. I've got to be present in their life we've got to get past I'm fine. Team Leads were talking last week about that, how we've got a culture of I'm fine. Why, why do I get nervous behind this pastor? Because, oh, how's your church? It's fine. How's your church? It's fine. You know, they're chewing me upside one down the other. but I'm fine. You know, right, right, right? Nobody's been there, right? It's fine. It's fine. It's all fine. But in order to be present, or in order to get past the fine, we've, we've got to be present. We've got to be present in their life. We've, we've got to be around them. We've got, to, we've got to want to serve them. We've got to ask, how, how can we pray for you? Maybe it's going to the same, same restaurant, same diner, same, 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 same place so that we can impact the same people. Going to the same gas station, actually going in to pay, right? Like that little, little that's an introvert's dream, right? Like you just slide your card and you're out of there. Like you don't to have to talk to people. Maybe it's a coworker at work that God lays on your heart. and like, I've got to be present in their life. Because we've got to move past the fine, but we've also got to invite them to Jesus and invite them to church. It's great to pray for people, but we've got to get to where we invite. Why? Because we're intoxicatingly passionate about their salvation. This is something I'm praying for my own life. As I've prayed, i invited two people to church this week. But they're not here. This leads to the last thing. How do we see revival? Pray, act, repeat. Take seven to ten times. Seven to ten times to invite somebody to church and to, to Jesus for them to actually act on it. If are intoxicatingly passionate, we won't give up. There's so many stories that I've heard. This guy wouldn't give up. In fact, I went to church for the first time to, just to get him to shut up. And then Jesus met me there. You've got to invite people. Invite people not to a church service. That's what, it's the last thing I want people to come to. But to an experience where they're engaged and they get to be engaged by Jesus. And they get to see the Jesus who loves them, who cares for them, who died for them. Repeat, what's possible? Is revival possible today? Are we seeing revival today? In other continents, we are Asia. Underground church is exploding. South America, um, Africa. But in America, I, I think it's looking a little bit different than what it did in, the, in history like in history, if you studied, you know, uh, guys like George Whitfield and uh, um, uh, Jonathan Edwards and D.L. Moody and, and uh, Charles Finney, and then in recent history, Billy Graham and Bill Bright, you know, revival occurred around them. But really, those are revivals that happened to the church. What I think I'm seeing is revival happening through the church, through the local church. Local churches that are getting intoxicatingly passionate, guys that you don't know, guys that we don't know, churches that we have no idea are even in existence. But we're starting to see the effects of revival occurring inside of these churches. Let's take Hollywood, for example. There are churches springing up in and around Los Angeles and in and around Hollywood who are seeing you know, people from Hollywood come to them. And they're seeing people get saved in that. And then lo and behold, on The Voice, we see songs like It Is Well With My Soul and Oceans Championed. Is this a coincidence? I don't think so. Those people have insane talent and there's people behind the scenes willing to make that happen. So that at Mary, Did You Know, Adam Levine gets to say, I've never heard that song before, but I like it. Churches are springing up, and we're seeing the effects on culture. Could it be? What could happen in Republic because of Crosspoint? What could happen in Green County because of Crosspoint? What could happen across the world because of Crosspoint? There's been talk of, of, of being present in, a, in, a, in an apartment complex somewhere around us that, that maybe anger prevails and maybe abuse prevails and financial brokenness prevails and, and pornography addiction or other addictions prevail. But we are present to serve them in order to see people come to know Christ and revival occur inside of people, inside of apartment complexes. We've talked about serving apartment complexes through Easter baskets leading up to Easter in March. What could happen if a people got intoxicatingly passionate? Last week, we t- I shared a little bit about Nicole's and my story and, and coming back for, for a purpose, for, for something that was rallying around in our hearts and our minds. And that was to plant a church in the student young adult district of Springfield. There are 40,000 plus students on campuses within spitting distance of each other. Some of them try. what, a couple thousand go to church? A couple thousand out of 40? Didn't work out then, and four years ago when we were interviewing, talking about, man, this is really in my heart, and I think most of you were just, you know, like Aunt Gertrude, and just like, oh, that's cute, you know, because no students and young adults were coming here at that time as college students and young adults and we've got several what's it going to take some people getting intoxicatingly passionate about the rescue and rebuild of students and young adults and I believe that the culture is even more ripe now because all the churches that could have done something about it in 2011 pretty much all of them aren't in the downtown district anymore for one reason or another So now the church presence down there is either, quite frankly, churches that student and young adults aren't going to give the time of day. But it's going to take a church saying, we could care less how much money we quote-unquote lose on this venture to make a church possible that will speak the language and get the attention of students and young adults. What about an unreached people group? Someday, God will give us an unreached people group. Maybe it'll be a Muslim people group. Maybe it'll be a tribe in South America or, or Africa. We've got a contact He used to go to church here, but he's going down to Honduras um, soon, very soon, uh, to do a, a, a humanitarian aid to the army, through National Guard uh, Reserves. I told man if you hear of a way that a church can help let me know he said oh man Honduras is dangerous I didn't say this but I was thinking all the better because where does revival happen? inside of a people that's far from God you gotta pray can you Make it a priority to pray about becoming intoxicatingly passionate for people. Can we act? Become present? Many of you know that Nicole and I have been working out of debt for many, many years. And one of, the, one of the things we're looking most forward to, I mean, we're looking forward to the freedom of not being in unsecured debt. We will still have the house. $5,400 away this spring. It's, it's all over. Looking forward to a new car because when I, many times when I hit my accelerator, it does the opposite. It was our wish that we would go on a cruise for our 15th uh, anniversary. Well, that's this summer. It's probably not going to happen, but we're looking forward to that. And it's okay to look forward to those type of things. God gives us money to enjoy. But you know what a piece of the enjoyment puzzle is? We're looking forward to being able to take our oldest down to Bolivia to meet our world vision girl to see her home and see um, the conditions around her home and the work that World Vision is doing there. We're looking forward to maybe adopting one day from China somewhere. But we're also looking forward to when we have an unreached people group as a church to be sitting on cash and sitting on passports to be ready to go. We're taking three, four, five scheduled trips a year But then, but then, but then, what if we as a church are on cash and on passports and a crisis occurs and tomorrow three people are on a plane don't care what it costs. Why? Because we're sitting on it. We're ready for it. What's it going to take? People becoming intoxicatingly passionate. Crazy, punch drunk passionate to see people far from God, come to know Christ. Will you be that one? Let's pray. And Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. Thank you for the um, death that you gave us. That holiness is a gift. It's not something we work towards and that we impress others with. That is something that is that is, that is for the common person because we are all common. Do something inside of all of our hearts to make this church a group of, of individuals intoxicatingly passionate about rescue and rebuild. Do a work inside of me because I've got a long way to go will work inside of us so that something will happen that only you can get the credit for It's your name of prayer amen